You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. We've been getting a lot of calls lately about that person, that, that voice at the beginning of the podcast that says, this is a stranger podcast. La, 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 la. Um, you should know. It might help uh, ease the minds of everyone out there who keeps calling and saying how sexy that voice is and how distracting it is. You think it's sexy and distracting now? You don't know the half of it. That was recorded with a mouthful of jizz. I'm just saying. You thought it was sexy then. You didn't know that she was gargling. All right, we got lots of calls. Let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm a 41-year-old man, and I've been married happily for nine years. I have a, a nice, stable marriage with uh, two young children. And my wife is uh, fairly fertile. We uh, conceived our first, those two kids, uh, relatively easily. And I've had some thoughts about um, birth control since then. And we've tried some different things, and nothing's really uh, worked too well. Uh, just it seemed to, it seems to hinder our, our lovemaking, or else my wife doesn't like that form of birth control. And so I, uh, I talked to my doctor about it and uh, was thinking about uh, um, getting this step done on myself. And he suggested uh, that I really think of that through because if we were ever to get to have any kind of a separation or or divorce, um, it would make it def- difficult for me to have children again. And he said that uh, he has seen a lot of men come into his office with that very problem where they uh, regretted the decision they made uh, to have the operation. So anyway, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Um, our current birth control method is, is withdrawal, and we've been doing that for three years and have had no pregnancies. Withdrawal is a terrific birth control method, provided uh, you don't really care if the person you're fucking gets pregnant. Uh, as a lot of people who set out to attempt to get pregnant uh, soon realize, particularly people uh, your age and your wife's age, is that getting pregnant isn't as easy as we sometimes uh, would like to believe that it is. You know, sometimes we think that just a little bit of cum comes into contact, you know, with a woman's shin, and suddenly she's pregnant. Uh, and then when people try to start putting serious effort into getting pregnant, getting fucked all the time and walking around jizz sloshing around inside their uteruses. It takes time. It, it takes effort. Uh, it's not as easy. So you could have just been lucky over these last three years, provided your wife is willing, uh, if you guys don't want any more children, to have an abortion uh, should you leak some pre-cum uh, or pre-ejaculate that has uh, semen in it and uh, sperm in it and you get her pregnant, then it's a fine method of birth control. Um, if she's not then it's not necessarily a fine method of birth control. It's probably a – we could regard it as a much finer method of expanding your family. Now, your doctor doesn't want to give you the vasectomy. You know, it's your – they're your nuts. It's your call. It's your body. It's your choice. We can borrow all the rhetoric from the abortion wars and apply it to your sack. Uh, if your doc won't do it for you because he's had regrets uh, or seen regrets, uh, that you should certainly take that under advisement. Um, and, you know, look, take a long, hard look at your wife and yourself and decide whether at 41 you want any more kids, even if you should get divorced and decide to get remarried. Uh, and then 
make your choice. And if what if the choice is, yeah, I still want this vasectomy, you may have to choose yourself a new doctor. Hi, Dan. I've been dating this guy for two and a half years, uh, long distance. And um, it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, in a nutshell, it's been the, it's my second serious relationship, but uh, it's been extremely fulfilling and we're independent, but we love each other. It's great. Up until about, you know, a few weeks ago, he found out that he was going to school in Australia. Within the next year, he would have to move away. And uh, this started to cause some problems. He started to grow kind of distant and act a bit strangely, which I found to be natural, but I dealt with it until he confessed to me one drunken night that he was extremely conflicted about the whole situation and he wasn't sure if he saw a point in being together if um, we were going to have to break up eventually. I didn't want to have anything to do with it and I said to Kastan and said, you know what, if you don't have the balls to do it, I'm just going to do it for you. Like I can't be with a person who's not putting their heart into a relationship with me. So he told me that he needed three weeks to think about um, how he feels and that, you know, the next time he comes to my city that he would hopefully have a clear mind on the whole situation and he would have an answer for me. And now my question is, I'm just sitting here waiting like an, like an idiot. Uh, I'm not sure whether to start moving on and like mentally moving on from this amazing guy that I'm still deeply in love with. I don't know whether to move on or to maybe cling on to a morsel of hope that maybe he'll come back and he'll want to love me again. So you've been with this guy for two and a half years, but it's been long distance the whole time? Yeah. And where did you meet him? I met him in Montreal in my city at work. And then he moved away? No, no, no. He goes to university. He's from the same city as me, mm-hmm. but he goes to a university three hours away from okay. So it's long city. distance, but it's not that long a distance. Uh, no, and, short distance. But now he's taking a job in Australia and moving to the other side of the world. Yeah. Within the next year, so like eight months from now, in January. And when he was drunk... And in Vitas, as they say, uh, except in uh, Francophone Canada, of course, we're not allowed to speak even Latin. <laughs> he told you that he thought maybe it wasn't worth you and I, you and he, uh, sticking with each other because you're going to be on the other sides of the planet pretty soon, right? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, so, you know, it's okay that he wants to think about it. You know. Yeah, and I totally respect his decision. I said, you know, although you... We're a little immature bringing it up when you're drunk. You know, it's not exactly the right time. At least that... Um, At least he told you. Sometimes people... I would say I, that. Sometimes you got to get drunk to spill. Sometimes, yeah. you know, the, the alcohol gets you to the point where you can make the... Truth serum. Confession, yeah. The truth serum. And we rely on alcohol for that. That's one of alcohol's superpowers. Especially in my generation, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, every, you know what my generation, too. Every generation uh, relies on booze, um... For all sorts of things. Now, I want to say, you know, he may be taking this time to think about whether or not 
He loves you so much that he wants to make different life plans, like not go to Australia, or ask you to marry him and go with him to Australia, or whatever. And it's fine for him to take that time out and make that decision. Now, you get to make a decision, too, which is you want to be with somebody who has to think about it that much, whether they yeah. make those sorts of sacrifices to be with you. And then, But you need to remember, as you both go through this process, and you're young, and a lot of young people go through this kind of storm and drag heartache because you may meet and fall in love with somebody before you've settled on where you're going to live and you may not have the same life goals you want to end up in the same places and that's going to have an impact on the decisions you make that are going to affect the rest of your life and we all have to go is this person worth altering the decisions i thought i wanted to make to be with what you need to remember is you may be in love with him and he may be in love with you and ultimately that may not be enough yeah, you actually call that a really appropriate time because I'm actually going to see him within the next, like, three hours. Oh, my God. And I, I haven't seen him in a month, and we're, like, having our, our talk, like, a big discussion, like, what's going down, what's the deal, how we feel, we planned this. So you, uh, you are a little bit of a, what's it called? I'm a little bit of I think is the word you're going no. right? to, to open the wounds before you walk no, into but the room. I, I, like, I made my decision on what I'm going to do. I'm, but, sure. uh, what is that decision? I uh, decided that, you know, I respect the fact that he needs time to think about what he's going to do before he leaves. And, um, but I can't. He wants to keep me in his life in some way, shape, or form, but before he leaves. But I can't do that. I'm too in love with him to just be his little play doll. I, I have too much respect for myself to have that position in his life. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're and heartbroken. I, I, I am very heartbroken. And uh, but I think you're, I think you're making the right call. Yeah, you know, only, it's just best for me in the long run. And if, you know... I'd say, though, the only thing I'd put in the back of your head, and this is not to, like, fill you with false hopes or to try to talk you into keeping your life on hold, because I don't think if you make this break that you should keep your life on hold, but you need to remember that, you know, he may go for a year or two years, and you guys may reconnect later in life, later meaning a couple years down the road. Yeah. You know, you don't know where circumstances are going to take you. So I would encourage you that if you're going to break up with him today and say... You go do what you're going to do. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. I'm too in love with you for it to be up in the air or to be treated like this. Uh, just don't. Yeah, he's not treating me very well. Like he 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 says he does he he's confused and he doesn't know whether he wants to be with me. And but he texts me at like three in the morning, you know, sweet nothings. And I just I don't want to hear these things. I'm like trying to move on, you know. And he's right. just and that's not his, fair to him. That's not, that's not his fair. conflict is he's victimizing me because he's conflicted. You know, I shouldn't be the victim of his conflict, his I inner agree. conflict. I agree. And if you decide to end it now, end it, end it cleanly. Tell him no contact for a while, and then just don't don't have a scorched earth policy. Like neither of you should seize this opportunity to say. Uh, fatally hurtful things to each other because you don't know yeah. circumstance brought you together once upon a time circumstance is pulling you apart now while you're young circumstance may bring you back together at a certain point and you may be able to when you're older, a little older a little wiser, a little more mature revive this thing and if it has value and you're both single when circumstance brings you back together you might want to so try to part even though it's painful 
Try to park. On a sort of positive. On a sort no, of, um, maybe I'll see you down the road note. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm going to fucking blow a hole in your head if I ever see you. No, yeah. I'm not upset with it. And I'm, I'm, I, no, no, no I, I, don't, I don't think you I are. Just, this is just sort of I, a general one <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. But you do have a right, and, and, and I think an expression that uh, an acquaintance used to use, he needs to shit or get off your face. Yeah, he, he really say, does. <laughs> in limbo, and I'm going to text you sweet nothings in the middle of the night when I'm drunk, because I feel strongly about you, just to keep you stringing along while I play my Hamlet game about us. Right? So break Boys it off. Boys are so immature. <laughs> yeah, break it off. No contact at least six months. None at all. Tell him not to text you, not to write you. Tell him to go do his thing. Go get a suntan in Australia. He can cut a swath through the women there. You can cut a swath through the hot French Canadian boys where you're going to be. The limited amount of hot French Canadian boys. Oh, I've been there. There's tons of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, in the village, maybe. <laughs> well, good luck, and I'm sorry. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle, including a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast, and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit AdamandEve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a single 22-year-old female who's straight, and I'm just getting to the point where I'm extremely frustrated. Um, Like I said, I'm 22 um, and single, and I've never had a serious relationship ever. Um, And it's not that I don't have a problem meeting guys because I meet a lot of guys. I've been on a lot of first dates. I've dated a lot of guys, but nothing ever seems to be too serious. And um, it's also the guys I'm meeting. For some reason, I have some weird attraction to unavailable men. They're either married or not married. I'm sorry, not married, divorced, have kids or are just like liars and cheaters and just totally unavailable and not into serious relationships. So, um, I don't know. I just need some guidance or help or what am I doing wrong? Or am I putting off some crazy vibe that I'm totally unaware of? I have no idea. This is a case where you have to start doubting your own judgment. Clearly, you have a terrible track record. You have bad taste in men, bad instincts, bad impulses. And so what you need to do is when you meet a guy and you're into him, you need to, that needs to be the first strike against him. That needs to put him at a disadvantage with you. You're like, wow, he's really hot. I'm really into him. There must be something wrong, right? Which doesn't mean you have to date guys you are not attracted to. It means when you meet a guy and you're kind of into him, you need to have a little kitchen cabinet. You need to have a circle of friends that you go to and say, kind of interested in this guy. What's wrong with him? And they can bat him around as a possibility. And since your judgment is clearly so flawed, you can rely on their judgment. And they can winnow for you. They can say, you know what? He's a piece of shit. Don't date him. And then don't date him. And then eventually... Your faulty filter system will allow through a guy that your kitchen cabinet goes, hey, what do you know? Stop clock. This one's pretty good. You should date this one. Hey, Dan. I am a straight 36-year-old, happily married man, been married for a number of years. To preface my comment, I look like a cross between a worn-out terrier and a uh, really tired bulldog. My wife is uh, not winning any beauty contests either. My point is... We moved out to central Minnesota three years ago from Seattle, and I work with a whole bunch of 30-something, very overweight, bald men who 
I'm constantly having to hear about how the women that they meet and get a date aren't attractive enough for them. My point is that for these single guys who never hit the gym and were not born with, you know, any sort of natural beauty, I just wish that they would look in the mirror, recalibrate their expectations, and then move forward kind of in their category. Now, again, I just, that's exactly what I did. Got a very happy marriage because of it. But really, to these, you know, ugly, overweight guys, you just got to calibrate your expectations and move on. I agree. I've used the expression for years that sometimes uh, to settle down, you have to settle for. Yeah, people need to calibrate their expectations. Constantly at Savage Love, I get email from people who say, uh, often gay men, so it's not just the straight, fat, bald guys in Minnesota, uh, but gay guys in major urban areas, who say that they're not conventionally attractive. That's the phrase we advise professionals have to use. You yourself, as an ugly person, you can use ugly. I can't. I have to say, not conventionally attractive. Um, That they themselves are not conventionally attractive and they have no luck meeting guys, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, that's my problem. And isn't the world cruel to us unattractive people? And I am, P.S., only attracted to guys who look like Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise. All right? And you, there is something to that old adage from, you know, mom way back. You got to play in your own league. You got you to gotta calibrate your expectations, as uh, the caller wisely put it. You got to go for what's possible. Uh, and sometimes what's possible is, you know, somebody else who – you could have a very decent, uh, loving relationship with and a fulfilling sex life who maybe isn't your physical ideal, maybe isn't the thing you've been masturbating about all your life or the first thing that would draw your eye uh, at the strip club uh, if you're going there to make ends meet. <laughs> maybe that's the wrong expression to use when you're talking about a strip club. Uh, while you wait uh, in bitterest, coldest rural uh, Minnesota for Cindy Crawford to stroll into your life. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question on behalf of a friend of mine um, who recently confessed to me uh, that she has never had an orgasm. She's in her uh, mid-late 20s, and she's never had an orgasm. And I remember when she told me this, I was just absolutely stunned. Um, But the reason why she told me was because she was saying that she and her boyfriend of two years, uh, who recently broke up like about a month or two ago, um, we're pondering getting back together, but his kind of deal breaker for her was that he had to, she had to work on having him help her give, give, give her an orgasm because he really wants to give her an orgasm. And for her, it's not a priority because she's never had one, so she doesn't know what she's missing, and she just doesn't think it's that big a deal, and she doesn't want to have to work at it. So I'm wondering... I mean, she didn't ask me for advice. She didn't actually seem to want to tell me even that she'd never had an orgasm because she's apparently embarrassed about it. And um, she didn't want me to tell anybody else, so I'm not talking to any of our mutual friends about it. But I'm just worried. I mean, I feel really horrible for her. Somebody who has had her own issues, you know, coming, it's been, you know, and it was just a startling revelation of, you know, I, and I really want to help her. <laughs> but um, she doesn't seem to, to want help. So I was wondering if you had any advice. She doesn't know what she's missing, but she's missing a lot. The problem isn't that she doesn't seem to know what she's missing. It's that she doesn't care. And it's really none of your business if she doesn't care and she doesn't regard 
being non-orgasmic as a problem. You can't help somebody who doesn't want help. And the only way she's going to you know, want help is, is if she starts regarding this problem. Now, you can proselytize. You can evangelicalize her about how awesome it is to be orgasmic and what it means and that some women it takes them longer. Don't give up. Don't. Um, you know, don't walk away from your own capacity for this really transcendent sexual pleasure, blah, blah, blah. But once you've said your piece, you know, you can lead a horse to the vibrators, but you can't make her sit on it till she comes. Is that working for you, that metaphor? Probably not. Um, now, the problem with the boyfriend is I'm not sure that if part of your motivation here is to get her together with this boyfriend, then that's necessarily a really good idea because he's creating a really strong incentive for her to fake it all her life. If he's making – her ability to orgasm contingent uh, upon their getting back together and having a relationship at all, that's kind of creepily manipulative on his part. And, it, and it's that kind of attitude on some men's part, uh, on the parts of some men, uh, that cause many, many, many millions of women to fake orgasms all their life and not find their way organically to whatever it is uh, that works for them, that, that, that brings them to orgasm. And a lot of women uh, – don't arrive there uh, until they hit their sexual peak in their late 20s and early 30s. If you're trying to work her back, uh, you know, trying to walk her to orgasm so that she can get back together with this douchebag, I'm not sure that's a great idea. And again, once you've had your say, it's up to her. And if she doesn't think it's a problem, you can't force her to regard it as a problem. However uh, fucked in the head you may think she is for not wanting to prioritize her own sexual pleasure. But here's a little advice for women out there who are not orgasmic from a woman who once was not orgasmic herself on how to get to those orgasms. Hi, Dan. Um, I love this show. And I am calling with advice for the woman in episode 123 who um, has never had an orgasm and has never had adequate sensation in her vagina. And I just want to tell her that she is totally not alone. I've had similar problems. And uh, basically, her gynecologist that couldn't find anything wrong and said it was on her head, she needs to dump the motherfucker already. She doesn't know what she's talking about. In my unmedical opinion, I think that she has, she has physical issues. And gynecologists can't always uh, help you if you have a nerve issue. So um, I'd say that, uh, one, um, she needs to get the V-book by Dr. Elizabeth Stewart. So in my opinion, I think it could be a few things. One, she could have vulvodynia, which is what I have, which is sort of unexplained and unprovoked uh, vaginal pain. There's no symptoms except that there's pain. It's very common, actually. And she can go to the National Vulvodynia uh, Organization, uh, which is on the, web on the uh, Internet, and they have lots of information as well. And... Um, yeah, really, it can be very different for lots of different people, and it can be something that you've had your entire life. Uh, so there's that. Um, the other thing that she sounds like she has is uh, she could have a hormone imbalance that she's had her whole life, and if she doesn't have enough estrogen, then that can be not uh, – she wouldn't be able to lubricate right, and she uh, wouldn't be able to have any really good sensation because of that. Um, also, they have estrogen creams that if she's having basically a lubrication problem, there's lots and lots of different things it could be, and it is totally, um, it's totally not in her head. Thanks very much for your call. Thanks for the download. Uh, I'm sure it'll help some women out there uh, and their partners, male or female, who are experiencing these problems. 
In all honesty, though, my reaction to your call, unfairly, and it's going to piss off the uh, female tech savvy at risk youth who are in the room with me today. I'm so glad I'm gay sometimes when I hear things like that. I'm just so glad that I'm a fag because dick is just so easy. It's so obvious. It's hard or it's not hard. Shit's flying out of the end of it or shit's not flying out of the end of it. Nobody I've ever been with has unexplained dick pain. Like a dick hurts because somebody punched it or it doesn't hurt. That's it. And now, you know, dick has its shortcomings. Some of them are shortcomings. And, you know, dick can't spit out a baby. You know, dick doesn't have that creating life uh, Mother Earth superpower. But when it comes to, you know, being a reasonably competent sex partner, if the person you're sleeping with has a cock, it's pretty easy to figure out if you're pleasuring them, if they're having a good time, if they're enjoying things. Um, and if they're experiencing dick pain, it's usually a pretty uh, simple maneuver to uh, relieve that dick pain. You just have to get up off it or uh, care, be care, a little more careful with the teeth. want to amend that a little bit because the techs have yet received are throwing things at me. Yeah, there are guys out there who have problem dicks. Like there are guys with micro penises who are really on the rack about how small their dicks are. We've had calls from guys whose dicks are so big they can't actually fuck anybody with them. Guys sometimes have problems coming. Uh, you know, they have complaints about producing too much ejaculate. We had a call from a guy recently who came too much. We had calls from guys who didn't come enough. And yeah, there are guys out there who are dissatisfied with the the size or the performance of their dick. But again. It seems that the mother load of problem genitalia out there, when you look at the calls or you know read the mail at the Savage Love, look at the calls, are from women who are having sort of you know user manual issues because because it's not obvious. Like when a guy's dick is working, he generally knows it. I literally get questions all the time from women who aren't sure if they're coming or not, aren't sure if what the physical sensations they're experiencing are orgasm or not. Again, because. God didn't put an exclamation point necessarily at the end of a female orgasm. I, I just – you know, if I were God, if there was an intelligent designer, right? Guy, A man has an orgasm and there's all this white glop everywhere. It's like, bloop, oh, he came. I was doing something right, right? Women don't have – women should have that. If I were the intelligent designer and I were putting together female genitals and female – it would be like – there would be this Pez dispenser moment at the end of a female orgasm where a little candy popped out. And the guy could go, oh, I made her come. Pop it in his mouth and fall asleep with a clear conscience. Hey, Dan. Sitting here with a girlfriend, Liz, who's 28 in Portland, Oregon. She's always been a lesbian. has never had sex with a man. And the question came up tonight that she's curious about, um, you know, doing it with a guy for the first time um, just to see what it's like and see if it's something that she would enjoy. So she wants to know how one would go about, a, a lesbian go about finding hopefully a straight guy, to have sex with her for the first time. Is it something she should go to a bar, try and do a one-night stand? Is it something she should post an ad somewhere? Um, your expertise was greatly needed. How would one go about finding a guy who wants to sleep with a woman, lesbian or otherwise? One would go about leaving the house because there are men just about everywhere you go who want to fuck women and not a lot of them are too particularly picky about that woman's sexual orientation or professed sexual orientation. Now, this is the kind of call that I'm going to get in trouble for because every time I take a call from some fucking lesbian who's getting curious about boning some dude, 
I'm a vicious anti-dyke bastard asshole bitch who is responsible for uh, violence uh, perpetrated against lesbian-identified women. Would all you lesbians who want to fucking fuck dudes please stop calling me about how much you want to fuck dudes? Because I feel sort of compelled to put your calls on the air now because I want to defend myself from the charge that I'm sort of making all this shit up and that you lesbians who are cock-mad don't actually exist because you do. And, you know, it's telling that your friend is 28 and has been lesbian-identified or a lesbian all this time and is suddenly curious as bong, bong, bong. The biological clock is probably ticking somewhere in her reptile brain and suddenly she wants a little dick in her. Whether or not she wants to have a baby, she suddenly wants a little dick in her, which is fine. I sometimes want a little dick in me. Sometimes I want a little big dick in me, right? So I'm totally down with the dick. What I'm not down with are the angry fucking follow-up calls I'm going to get from her lesbian sisters about what an asshole I am because she wants to get fucked by a dude. Sorry about ranting. I lost my composure there. Uh, Now for a more measured, reasonable, calm, dispassionate discourse about why so many goddamn lesbians out there want to sit on dick, we have another call from an actual woman about this phenomenon. Hello, Dan. Um, I just listened to episode 122, and I really liked your advice that you gave to the lesbian who's interested in having sex with men. Um, And I also really loved your rebuttal to that psychopath who wrote that horrible letter. I am also a lesbian who not only has sex with a man, but is actually in a loving relationship with a man. And I know that sounds like a contradiction. Um, But I just wanted to let lesbian listeners know that you know, lesbians are women too. And one of the things is you're going to have hormones and you're going to want to get pregnant. And these crazy hormones that cycle through your body, sometimes you want to get laid with a man and doesn't mean anything about who you are, what you identify as, whatever. It's just about you needing that primal running sensation. So that's a big one. I think most women need to give themselves a little bit of slack around that. If you feel like you need to cock like once a month, you might want to look into that. Um, and then without getting too feminist theory on this, I just want to talk about like that our labels that we use for sexuality are based on the binary and they're based on a a gender binary that is kind of, we're learning doesn't exist anymore. Whenever I get shit from a lesbian about the relationship that I'm in with my man, I just ask them if they've ever had a crush on a trans man before. Um, now that there's so many men that are identifying as trans or so many lesbians that are finding themselves identifying as trans men, it becomes this whole new game of who you are in terms of who you have sex with isn't just about genitalia or about gender identity. It's way different than that. And I just want people to realize that they need to cut themselves some slack around that. Um, And, you know, for me, it's really important to just, for lesbians who feel that way, to just out themselves. Because most women won't admit it. And so they just give each other shit. And they're the worst in terms of, like, giving each other such a hard time about how they identify. And I think that that's absolutely destructive in terms of lesbian communities. So anyway, my two cents, I hope that you have a have a ability to address these in the future because I think that too many lesbians are just criticizing each other to death and aren't really allowing themselves to experience the full range of their sexuality. Good, calm, wise, reasoned point of view on this complicated fucking issue and i appreciate the call and that's all i'm gonna say because i don't want to get in trouble anymore with crazy psycho cock hungry lesbians 
Hi, Dan. My name is Sigrid. I live in your city of Seattle, and I teach in a high school outside of Seattle in a more conservative area. I'm calling in about the high school teacher who called and told you not to use gay, um, and I just wanted to share my approach with that because I agree it needs to be a little bit playful and humorous. So what I usually do if I hear a student say, like, oh, this paper's so gay, I'm like, really? Is it going to a pride parade? Is it out and proud about its sexuality or its parents and flag? Really, you know this about the paper? And they start out really confused, and then they feel stupid, and they usually don't say it again. So it's fun for me, hopefully fun for them, and other kids have started waiting uh, for somebody to slip up so that I go into my little routine. Thanks very much for your call. Uh, along with uh, cocksucking lesbians, the use of gay in high school environments and middle school environments by children, by obnoxious old children, is the controversy of the moment here at Savage Lovecast. And so I appreciate your perspective. The other sort of language police controversy of the moment here, at least according to the emails, is my use of the word retarded as an insult. I got a particularly angry email today taking me to task and demanding that I cease and desist once and for all right now from using retarded as an insult. And you know what? I've seen the light. I'm going to do just that. I am not going to use retarded as an insult anymore. I am going to only use retarded as a compliment. So thank you, caller, for your amusing, insightful, and retarded perspective on this issue. And we have a few other calls from people who also have retarded things to say about the word gay. Hi, Dan. I'm a big fan of your column and your cast, and I'd just like to share with you one of the things that one of my gay friends and coworkers did whenever he hears uh, gay being used as an insult or pejorative. Uh, for example, a uh, short while ago, there were a couple of students who said, man, that test was so gay. So he went up to them and in his biggest, uh, most over-the-top flaming gay man voice, he said, I agree. I thought that test was fabulous. So I don't know if it did anything, but it was hilarious, and the looks on their faces were priceless. Hi, Dan. This is Steve. I'm a 52-year-old gay man, and if you can stand it, and I totally understand if you can't, I have one more little follow-up on the whole gay equals lame or stupid or retarded business. In episode 124, a gay high school teacher called up and sort of took you to task for using that phrase on a previous show as he worked so hard to get his students to cut it out. Uh, you acknowledged his point, but you also kind of gently asked him to chill out a bit. I would add to that, yeah, and count your blessings. This is because about maybe 10 years or so ago, I passed a couple of teenage boys on the sidewalk. They're at 14 years old or something like that. And one of them said to the others, I was passing them, Boy, then you'd really have AIDS. It took a moment to register, and I was uh, kind of stunned when it did, but I knew what he meant. He meant then you'd really be in trouble. You can see how it works. If lame or in trouble equals gay, and gay men have AIDS, then this kid was just cutting out the middle stage, ending up with lame equals having AIDS. I've never heard that phrase or heard that used that way since, but to that teacher and others who fret about this use of the word gay, I would say, look, it could be worse. Thanks, Dan. I love your show. Well, thanks, everyone, for your calls and your POV about the gay thing. And I will try to be a better and more retarded Lovecast host in future and watch my mouth. All right. We're going to leave it there this week. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a complaint, for a future show, give us a buzz. 
And you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And that's it. We're done. 206-201-2720. Record a question. Please leave your name and a callback number in case we want to ask you a follow-up question. And me and the tech-savvy, at-risk, furious with Vagina Youth will be back next week with another installment of the podcast for you.